Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And I just found out that we're playing the Royals tonight. We Tigers. And when I say we Tigers, I mean they. But I am a fan, so I partake of their Tigerness. It's good to see you all. I'm excited to be here on Friday for Question and Answer Day. It is September 9th. Why is this uh, oh. the most popular birthday? This is the so let me just say this: Happy birthday to uh, Mohammed Chang. Do you know this? <laughs> Mohammed is the most common first name in the world. Nice. Chang is the most common last name in the world. It's September 9th is the most common birthday in the world. Ergo, statistically, somebody named Mohammed Chang has a birthday today. That's awesome. Yeah. You're welcome. Awesome. I don't know where I get these skills. Probably not from heaven. Speaking of from heaven, today as a church, we celebrate a truly amazing saint, uh, St. Peter Claver. For those of you who are not familiar with him, it's because he's dead. I didn't even know he was sick. <laughs> but Peter Claver, we believe, baptized more people than anyone that we ever know of. And how did he do it? Um, he met the slaver ships arriving in the New World and ministered to the slaves. He was given the name the Slave to the Slaves uh, because he poured himself out and serving them, loving them, even protecting them as best he could. Uh, and he worked himself to death. Uh, caring for them. And it's really an extraordinary thing for those of you who are not familiar. Uh, Dan Carlin does a whole three set lecture on the slave trade. And, you know, when we look at like uh, for those of you listening who are white, for example, um, it might be hard for us, but we have to remember we're less than for we're somewhere in the three generations from slavery uh, and it damaged people it damaged the family structure it damaged so much about human dignity everything about slavery was so wicked um, and anyway saint uh, peter claver didn't go out to the docks and preach jesus he went out to the docks and fought for the slaves, fought for the right to care for them and heal them after a hellish journey. And they became Christian because of him. Um, what he did, I guess, is the best way to say it, not what he said. So massive props to P Peter Claver in the kingdom of heaven now, praying for us, especially for Carrie's conversion, because, wow. Big props to Peter Claver. Now, here's the other thing you need to know about today. Um... If you saw this morning's Mass, <coughs> you know that right at the beginning of the Mass, I... <coughs> sorry, guys, I got a quick cough, and it's the crack. <sighs> right at the beginning of the Mass. Did you see this, Chuck? All of a sudden, I'm like, you know, brothers and sisters, that we might more... There was a spider right here, and he was just hanging from the ceiling like, hey, dude. And <coughs> he was substantial. <coughs> so I kind of grabbed him, blew him away. And it reminded me of my time at St. Mary on the Lake. My gosh, I'm going to cough more. <coughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. <coughs> Woo, I have water. Okay. I don't know what this is. Probably a tumor. 
Um, I'm gonna cough again. Okay. Can you, do we pause this or what do we do? Because I'm gonna blow a lung. I know, do I just... <clears throat> Sorry everyone, I got some kind of catch in my throat. <clears> throat> And I don't know what it is. I got water right here. I've been sucking it. Oh, thank you. Excuse me. I didn't mean to. So maybe God doesn't want me to tell the spider story. I think it goes back to what you said to Carrie at the outset. <laughs> yeah, because there's no hope for her healing. Is that? Uh, but when I was at St. Mary on the Lake, have I told you the story? About the, I'm praying mass with Father Paul Grail, who was a ridiculously holy priest. And in fact, let me back up and tell you a Paul Grail story. Nice. So Paul Grail was 922 years old, and his classmate, Paul Ruddy, was 924 years old. And I drove the two of them to a funeral. A priest died. And this is a true story. These guys are 1,000 years old. We get to the graveyard. We do the burial. And I'm leading them out to get in my car when Grail turns to Ruddy and says, just want to stay? And it was one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. Do you want to just stay? But so Paul Grail of blessed memory, a truly holy and outstanding priest. And we were serving together at St. Mary on the Lake, an amazing parish. I loved it there. And while we were praying mass, this spider drops onto the altar. And this spider was the size of a baby. Right. I didn't know like whether to shoo it away or to baptize it and catechize it. This thing was a monster. He was really about this big. <laughs> but, you know, we got that big red book. It's called the Roman Missile or the Roman Intercontinental Ballistic Missile for short. <laughs> Our ICBM. <clears throat> it jumped on it. Like, and it jumped, bing! Uh, and like, if a human jumped that far, it would be a mile. Like, he just, bing! And he's on the book. And I'm like, Phew. so I blew him, blew him off the book. Phew. Right? Because I'm not going to kill a thing on the altar, you know? And then he, bing! Jumps right back, kind of, about five times. I, Phew. and I keep praying, and he, boom! Jumps right on the book. And so finally, we're wrapping up the Our Father. He makes his move again. We wake our way to the sign of peace, and I kind of catch him. And I walk to the doors of the church and let him out in these bushes. And when I came back in, Grail was like, why didn't you just kill it? I'm like, dude, it's peace time. You know, I just couldn't, you know, let's offer each other a sign of peace. Plus the splat would have made a mess. Like, I think it would have crunched. And I'm not going to kill something. I mean, God made that thing to do its thing. And if we had any mice, I think that spider could have killed it. So that's my spider at mass story. Inspired by a spider at mass story, which reminded me of a graveyard story. So Father Paul Ruddy uh, is my second cousin. And he just went to be with the Lord a couple months ago. So now there are two priests in the country that I know of that were born in Michigan. Paul was one of them. And then a guy named Matt Perch, who's a Jesuit. And then me, who's a diocesan priest. And I think Matt and I are it. So, hey, Montrose, let's get after it. Um, yeah, and Paul Ruddy, Paul Gray, I love those two. Just two ridiculously holy, fun, brilliant priests. And uh, we're less without them. We are. 
So I made an executive decision. I met with all my best advisors. That's me. And all the other voices in your head. And all the other voices in my head. Don't tell them. And uh, <laughs> this Heroes of the Faith thing we're doing, we're going to quit. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, no, this is what I talked to you yesterday about. Yes. Instead of just doing Abraham and then David and Moses or whatever order I do them in, we're going to go Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because it just makes a lot of sense. And unless you're just being polite, you do seem to be enjoying this. So we're going to go through the life of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Billy. I'm just, there's no Billy. It's kind of funny to think of. You ready for this? Did anyone ever tell you this? Abraham, the father of many nations. Isaac laughs. Jacob wrestles with God. So when you say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's really cool. Uh, you're saying the father of many nations laughs and wrestles with God. Isn't that incredible? Ibrahim, Yitzhak, Jacob. Crazy stuff. What are we talking about? Oh, this is question and answer day. Okay, so uh, we have questions already, I can see. Let me blow them up because I don't have any glasses. I ordered glasses today. From, how do you say the name of the eyeglass place? Neuenfeld. Neuenfeld, uh, which is their optometrist uh, here, or what do you call them? Optometrist, right? Right here in Grand Blank, and they are amazing. And uh, this will be my second pair of glasses. Carrie broke the first one in a drunken rage. No, that's not true. No, actually, I busted the first ones. And you ready for this? Did I tell you the dramatic story of how I broke them? No. By wearing them. Yeah, right. Yeah, these glasses just kept breaking. So uh, I'm good. I was praying mass. Some of you might have been there, and all of a sudden a piece fell off. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't good. <laughs> uh, so I got new ones, and I'm going to get an eye test in a couple weeks to see if I need a new scurpriction. Scurpription. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, hopefully I'll be able to see without doing this. All right. Because it's not just put these on, it's make that face. Right. You got to have your mouth open to do it. Part of the prescription is the glasses, the other part is squinting. Right. Okay. So why am I telling them about my new. Oh, because I had to blow this up. So, first question when you say messengers, are you referring to angels? Yeah, you got to remember, I assume you're going by uh, the life of Abraham and that they didn't call them angels. They called them messengers. They didn't really distinguish because, again, they were unclear. Uh, it's really kind of cool to think of. And I know I said that a million times yesterday, but just we always read the scripture as people who've read the scripture, which there's no way around it. But if you put yourself in their head, you can see it's totally unclear to them. Are messengers and angels the same thing? Are angels and God the same thing? They're not clear. Uh, and they're not afraid to reveal that ambiguity to you. Because um, it's the spirit world. Who knows? Uh, <clears throat> I think all the time of how we can only see reality through the lens that we have and that what that leads to is some bizarre conclusions that we can get super confident about that may be totally, totally wrong. You know, like in archaeology, like they'll pull something out and they'll say, well, this does this or we think it does that. And then they build a foundation on that finding. But think about how many things you and I do that have no connection to what we're trying to achieve. Mm 
you know, uh, it's really quite remarkable to think about. So for us, a ring on this finger means marriage. Why? Why? Well, that's what we do. And an archaeologist might not, they might come up with a reason 3,000 years from now that has no connection to reality but makes a ton of sense. Remember when we went through the exercise with the penny? That you take a penny and you look at it, and it has nothing on there telling you what it is, but a million clues that you would be wrong about. Do, do you remember this? So what do we have? We have a picture of a dude on it. And then above that picture of the dude on a penny, we have In God We Trust. And then we have a four-digit four series of numbers. And then we have the word liberty. Any rational person could look at that and say, okay, in God we trust. That's a picture of their God. What's his name? Liberty. That makes more sense than what's actually there. Well, what's there? Oh, one of our presidents, Abraham Lincoln. Okay, why does it say liberty on there? That's kind of our thing. Okay, well, why in God we trust? That's our slogan. Oh, did Lincoln give it to you? No, it has no connection to Lincoln. Uh, well, what's this number, the year? Oh, was that the year he was president? No, no, that's the year the penny was made. Think about it. The wrong answer makes more sense. And that's true with a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that we do. Uh, so. I think I kind of sidetracked, sorry. That's the key idea. When you and I read scripture, we want to remember, no one sat down and said, I'm writing scripture. No one. They sat down and said, I'm going to write what happened. And we believe the Holy Spirit guided them. But he guided them as they were capable, not as they weren't. So when they say, oh, we don't know. What's an angel? What's a messenger? The, the Hebrews weren't even clear on an idea of the devil until... 600 years before Jesus? I, they called him the opposer. Sometimes you can see in the Bible they write as if they're not sure. Do the devil and God talk? Are they on the same side? It just wasn't clear to them. Uh, fascinating stuff. So when we say messengers, are you referring to angels? Yeah-ish. They aren't sure what they're referring to. Um, but we believe it's angels. Where was Canaan located? Well, if you've ever been to Michigan, it's nowhere near there. Does that help? Be honest. Say yes. No? Canaan, what we call Canaan is what you and I call Israel now, more or less. Okay? So when you hear Canaan, just think of the land of Canaan is where the Israelites moved in back into uh, it's what they call the promised land, Judea, Israel. Yeah. Um, okay, how are people doing? Good. Yeah? Why is a deacon required to proclaim the gospel at Mass and perform other duties like intercessions, even if there is a bishop or a priest or even the Pope? I have no idea. It's just how the practice evolved. And I'm sure there is an intelligent explanation, but I don't know. What I do know is if there's a deacon, they should read the gospel. They should say, let's offer each other a sign of peace. And they should say the conclusion, right? Uh, the mass has ended, go in peace. Or you know what kills me now? The church changed it in 2011, and it's, 
go and proclaim the gospel of the Lord. And every time I say, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, because I'm a Pavlovian dog. I hear the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not what we're supposed to be saying there. Do you do this or is that just, yeah, poor Jesus. I've heard the Catholic church has issues, issues, can we say that instead? Issues, because the queen's dead. Yeah, this is our way of honoring. Um, Oh, for our UK friends, I do want to know this. Do they still say something like, the queen is dead, long live the queen? Like in this case, it would be, the queen is dead, long live the king. Yeah. Do you know, do they still say that? I heard so. yesterday. Oh, okay. Because it worked last time. She lived to be a thousand. Yeah. So say that a lot if you like this guy, the new king. And if not, just the queen's even, dead. Even if you don't, out of respect. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm thinking practical. <laughs> okay, sorry. I've heard the Catholic Church has issues with practicing yoga. Can you explain why that might be? Okay. Let me just say this about that. Uh, I'm going to anger people no matter what I say. And all I ask you to do is listen to me. Think about it. Pray about it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. Uh, Obviously, I believe I'm right. (laughs) I get torn on this topic a bit because here's what I know. Um, Bishop Carl Mengling, who no one ever accused of being a screaming liberal, Uh, I was telling him something uh, about this, that I had someone yell at me uh, in the name of Jesus because uh, we had something in the bulletin about yoga. Now, this was back in 1999. I'd been a priest for an hour, I think. And I was asked, can you stick this in the bulletin? Yeah, sure. And uh, instead of like, you know, approach me, hey, Father, can we talk about this? It was, you know just like Jesus. And uh, so I called Uncle Carl and I said, what's the deal? I've never heard this before. And he said, well, he said, what did he do? He says, think of it this way. There's yoga stretches. And then there's this kind of spirituality that gets applied to yoga sometimes where people will talk about chakras or um, energy centers and all these things. He said, if you're talking about stretches, those are good. He says, I do them, but you want to be careful about a spirituality being used with it. Now there are, and I agree with uncle Carl. I agree with Bishop Carl. Now there are some who will disagree with me vociferously and I get it. Uh, I've bounced and vacillated back and forth Because here's the thing, at core, and I mean this, hear me out, we're talking about stretching. But I have noticed, like this, I saw this in Hudson. There was someone who had a yoga place, and they also had all this stuff about your third eye and chakras. That's evil. You want to be super careful of that stuff. And not just careful, you want to avoid it like the plague. Um, Any kind of talk of a spirituality that doesn't involve Christ or the means he's given us, stay away from, right? If it's just stretches, yeah, way to go. Now, again, I want to be clear. There are priests, and I'm, I'm going to be blunt here too. There's a couple priests I can think of in particular who do not work in parishes, who were had their ministry taken from them by their bishop, and then run around and claim, oh, this is happening because I'm orthodox. No, it's not. It's happening because you're a jerk. 
I'm Orthodox. It's never happened to me, right? I can name 50 priests in our diocese without trying. It doesn't happen to us. Might have happened to you. Um, but they get more and more extreme. So what happens? They make a blog. And the blog is based on a simple principle. I'm being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Okay, uh, just so you know, Jesus wasn't, he didn't do blog posts. But whatever. And then they get followers. And those followers demand a certain amount of indignation to stay connected to this person whom they mail checks to. You get me? Um, make no mistake, guys. I could blow this thing up if I turned into a liberal or an ultra, an ultra liberal or an ultra conservative. Guys, I could quadruple how many people watch this. Uh, and I don't, I'm not tempted by that, praise the Lord. But all this to say, the main source of a lot of the, this is from the devil, that I've found personally, I could, you know, I'm just talking my experience, are from two priests who have been removed from ministry, public ministry, and now live as hermits, uh, proclaiming their gospel. And whatever, man. Uh, you know, but to me, if you're doing some stretches that are helping you, uh, praise God. But make sure that if there's some kind of spirituality applied to it, that you're walking away. I mean it. Be careful. Be very, very careful. That was way too long of an answer. Really? Okay. What would you recommend for those thinking about the priesthood? <clears throat> Try not to think. Oh, sorry. Think of it this way. Try not to think of anything except this question. Am I called? And then question number two, do I want what God wants? If you want what God wants, he'll get you there. I went through this thing that every seminarian I've ever met has gone through, but they don't really, I don't talk to them so much anymore. But... It's hard to explain, but you sit there and you want to be a priest and instantly you're a bit alone. There's not many people considering doing that. Um, to that end, you start to fret. Well, what if I go in and I'm not called? What if I'm not called and I go in? Well, those questions in a good way don't matter. If God doesn't want you to be a priest, you won't be a priest. If God wants you to be a priest and you let him, you'll be a priest. So to some extent, forgive the loose word, relax. And every day pray, Lord, help me to know what you want me to do and to do it. Um, that prayer got me in. I tried twice before I got in. Um, and I just actually was working on a letter um, to the bishop, where uh, not a complainy, angry letter, but I just don't know what they want anymore. Everyone I send them, they say no to. Right? I haven't, and and twice I've had somebody ask me, "Will you write a letter?" And I and I tell them this, I'm going to say you shouldn't take this guy. Both times they took him, so I don't know. I, I gave up a long time ago. And I've got a ton of students who are priests, just most of them aren't in this diocese. So I don't know what I don't know, and I'm trying to figure it out. But 
we have a vocation director who I really like. And I think if you're in our diocese, at least we'll meet with him. Tell him what's on your mind and heart. It's his, not his job to get you into seminary. That's what I love about vocation directors. It's his job to help you to see. Is this, is this helping? Help you to what? See. Oh. Right? Okay. So you go to a vocation director not to get into seminary. Gotcha. But to help you discern whether you're That's called it. to seminary. And if you are, he'll get you there. That's his job. Awesome. I feel like I'm a little scattery today. No? no? Good. Okay. So what do I recommend? Pray and trust, relax, and visit your vocation director. Okay, it doesn't commit you to anything. Although, if you meet with your vocation director twice and then get married, you're excommunicated. I'm just kidding. Uh, so when I attended Catholic school in Sarnia, really? Tell me what school, because I've been to Catholic schools in Sarnia. It's Brenda. Is that my Brenda? Yeah. Brenda Van. Uh, we had to kneel in our desk seats facing the back wall when the queen's, where the queen's picture was and sing God Save the Queen every morning. Holy cow. I'll bet she dug that. How is the Lord going to say no to a bunch of kids? You know? I watch your broadcast mass on YouTube. And I like that you had a kneeler for receiving Holy Communion. Thank you for that option. Oh, of course. Um, Bishop Vigneron had a cool rule he taught us in seminary. You can't disallow what the church allows. Now, most times the way I've seen it work is that there's people who want to receive on the hand and the priest won't do it. But that's allowed by the church. Sometimes I've seen it work the other way, where a priest says, no, you can't kneel and receive, and the church says you can. So, yikes. You know, that's just where we priests sometimes forget it's not about our preferences or how we interpret things. It's about what the church says. You know, even if we don't like it, that's what's important. Um, cool stuff. Okay, so thank you for that. Um, you know, and someday, God willing, I'm hoping we can have a communion rail. You know, uh, a pretty one. All in due time. Yeah. Oh, that's going to take a while. You think about all the things we have to. And when I say have to, yes. you know, that we told God's people we'd build. Those are the things we got to do, you know. And, okay. Anyway. Uh, happy Friday, Father Joe and Carrie. She didn't say anything to you, Chuck. Sorry. I'll say it. Happy Friday. You're welcome, Andrew. Does our Catholic Church have, per se, a marketing department to get families back into the church other than for weddings, baptisms, weddings, perhaps offering a salad pray t-shirt? Uh, it's very sad. People won't make time. Yeah, I feel you. Um, no, we don't have a marketing department. Um, and I guess that's, you know, like last night I got to talk to our school parents, right? Is it okay that I say this? Yes. You know, and so we asked all our school parents to come. And we said it was really important. Less than half came. And it was such a bummer, right? Because um, the whole point of, like, my part of it is to say, you're going to get our best, not our perfection. Oh, my gosh. We can't do perfect. But you're going to get our best. And you get our spiritual best. And you get our financial best. We don't charge what it costs to educate. The church makes up that gap. And that what we ask in return is that you be a part of the church. 
that you actually come to Sunday Mass and bring your kids, that you put faith above sports practices and even academics, that um, you give your kid a shot at heaven. Um, you know, and it, it breaks my heart too. It, it's We have so many lost kids because we don't give them a foundation. I don't know how to explain it, uh, but I feel you. Um, okay. Okay. You went to St. Margaret's. I don't know what the, I'm trying to think. I was hoping when you said the name of the school, I go, that's it. But I don't know. I don't know. Plus you're younger than me. <laughs> I thought she was. Brenda, Brenda, you know, uh, Brenda, you look very young. Yeah. Uh, I, and then she. You saw the age of the, her kids. Yeah. I was like, no way. I think Brenda started having kids when she was three. Brenda, that's illegal now. Okay. We live in a world where the coined phrase thoughts and prayers is used so often that many believe they become meaningless words. Because we also live in a world where so many are afraid of offending or fear they are pushing Christian beliefs the word prayer is dropped. So often I see or hear, quote, I will keep you in my thoughts or sending good vibes without actively calling on God. Can simple thoughts of someone or situation with good intention be considered prayer? I don't know. I hate the thoughts and prayers things. I do. And just because, well, I guess thoughts is lovely in this sense. I'm thinking of you. It's a really cool thing to be able to say. Um, Encountered a very tragic situation this morning. I'm thinking of that. Right. So I guess I shouldn't say it that way. Um, oh, I, I'm more objecting to like one of my buddies. It was funny. Now I could talk this way to him. He's one of my dearest friends. He texted me sending you good thoughts because he knew I was going through a tough time. And I wrote back, keep your damn thoughts. I want prayers. Uh, <laughs> you know, thoughts and prayers is a lovely thing to say. Uh, sending good vibes. I don't know what that is. Uh, it just seems weird to me uh, for a Christian, for a non-Christian. Sure. Launch that missile. Um, I don't know. I will keep you in my thoughts is a nice thing to say again. But if you're a Christian, hopefully it's, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. I don't know. So without actively calling on God, can simple thoughts of someone or situations with good intentions be considered prayer? I don't think so. Um, especially if you can pray, right? If you're a Christian, just sitting and thinking about someone is a nice gift to them. Praying for them is a gift to both of you. Uh, okay. I don't know. I'm not doing a good job today. Sorry. Are we in the presence of Christ immediately upon death or do we wait until the second coming? Well, I'll be there immediately because I'm kind of special and pretty. Oops. All right. Oh, there we are. The question disappeared when I said that. So maybe I should rethink my strategy. So when you and I die, our souls go to judgment. Our bodies go in the earth. Um, When Jesus returns, he will raise up our mortal bodies to be like his, and our bodies will join our souls again. And um, heaven will descend, right? Heaven and earth will be one. So depending on how you mean it, we will immediately be before Christ at our death, I assume. Um, 
our bodies won't, just our souls, which is plenty. Uh, and our bodies will join us when he comes back. How was that? Carrie's pointing the phone at me. What, what is that? Okay. Uh, do you think the devil was jealous of your good looks? I do. Okay, that's not the question. Do you think the devil was jealous before man and woman were created? Or was it not until the world was created and jealousy and hatred developed? I don't know. You know, uh, you and I are talking linear time here. And you got to remember, this linear time didn't really exist, I think, until God made the sun and moon and stars. Uh, that's, that's what linear time is, is charting that progress of the earth going around the sun. Uh, did I say that right? Heliocentric. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just, yeah, you know, so when we talk about the devil's fall, I assume that event happened outside of time, meaning it's happening now. It's happening in the future. It, it's happening in the past. Uh, that I don't think there's an order to it that you and I can pierce because we are in linear time, which means linear time is the only thing we can do. This is nonlinear. I do know the moment we were created, he hated us. Uh, because we're gross to him, we're hideous. Uh, again, like that spider. Why didn't you kill it? Ah, right. Uh, but then yesterday, what we were watching that was at National Coney. Which one was it? Lafayette. La was that Lafayette Coney in yeah. Detroit? Did you see this film, where there were rats just running all over the place, and these things were the size of cats. And I find rats gross. Right, and that wouldn't be a thing where, and sorry for those of you who love rats, where I think, oh, I wanna make a pet out of that. It's more, I wonder what caliber ammo I should use. Um, that's times a billion how the devil feels about us. Why, we look like God to him. Um, and he hates that. If I wish to be cremated when I pass, when you die, when I die, am I supposed to have my remains buried in a cemetery? Yes, absolutely, 100%, please do that. And please make sure your family knows that your desire is not to be separated, but to have your cremains together in an urn buried in sacred ground. Um, now, if you're listening and you did something different, let it go, it's done, and God can deal, okay? But now, if you're listening, you have your choice for the future. And what the church asks of us is that we keep the body together, uh, be they cremains or the corpse, and that we put them in sacred, dedicated, consecrated ground, a cemetery. Um, why? Well, because the body's sacred. And we want to keep it that way. And we want to act like we're cognizant of the fact that our body will rise up and be joined back together. And then second, no matter how special the place where you bury someone, if it's not a cemetery within 100 years, no one's going to know. And that ground's going to get, your, your, your cremains are going to end up a part of a foundation of a building uh, or, you know, something like that. Or, God forbid, I have physically seen this firsthand, uh, getting thrown in a dumpster because someone buried it in a place where someone bought the land and oof. So, whoo. 
how does purgatory fit in to your answer about when we meet Jesus after death? Well, that's part of it. If you ask me, and again, this is all speculation. Um, I just made that word up. That one and strategery are my favorite two words to intentionally mispronounce, right? They're strategy. I like strategery. Uh, but uh, think of it this way. Um, come Holy Spirit. Okay, I think I shared this with you guys a week or two ago, or I said it in a homily. I can't remember. It's a true story. The light in my closet is activated by motion. So if you stick your hand in my closet, the light comes on, poof, and it's a soft light. Uh, now, my closet has two sections, no doors, right? On the one section closer to the wall, the floor is his bed. So, because it's a small room. So my clothes hang up. They don't touch the floor, of course. So his bed goes in there and he sleeps. That's what he likes. Okay? He can't really get up on the bed anymore. If he gets up in the middle of the night and moves, it turns on that light. And when it wakes me up, it feels like a 10,000 megawatt prison searchlight in my face. Uh, and, you know, and then it turns off after 30 seconds. Well, that's kind of a good way to think of purgatory. That light is, a, a, like if I go up there now, nothing. But when my eyes have been closed and when it's pitch dark and all of a sudden there's 60 watts, it feels like it's, oh my gosh, you know. Uh, when you and I see Christ, that experience, which I experienced as three seconds upstairs in the middle of the night, that's kind of a good way to think of purgatory. We used to, the church tragically used to talk about times. Well, it's a hundred years, it's five. No, purgatory is outside of time. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. So purgatory, as I understand it, will be our experience of adapting to being that close to pure light um, and fire. Yeah, remember, hell's cold, right? We went through that. Whew. Okay, you were talking about Allah last week. Oh. What? Oh no! I'm typing. Oh, she's still she's still typing. Um, well, how's this? I, what are your thoughts on limbo? I have an older brother who passed away in the womb, and I don't like to think he will ever be able to meet Jesus. He will never. He will never be able to meet Jesus. Oh yeah, yep. Um, limbo's a funny thing, uh, and. There are people, who, well, no, let that go. Give me a second, okay? Limbo is a concept that the church has never taught. People in the church taught it. But if you look at church documents, official church documents, you won't find mention of it. Um, you will find like St. Thomas had a couple ideas about it, uh, but at no point was it taught as dogma or doctrine. It's just something that got in our spiritual consciousness. Heavy, especially in America. Now, what's interesting, if you talk to like dad's generation, it was pounded in their heads. They might barely have known scripture, but they knew about limbo. And it really is wild. Now you talk to European Catholic stage age, they never heard of it. Where did this come from? I'm not going to give you the history lesson on it because it would take too long. But you can be at peace 
with the knowledge that God loves your brother more than you ever could. And God's not going to hold him to a standard he was incapable of keeping. Right? You wouldn't do this to me. You wouldn't. Like, if you had a rule that if you want to come to my house, you need to bring a beer. Right? Which just would make you very smart. But let's say I've never met you. My car breaks down and I come to your house to use your phone. Would you say, bro, you didn't bring a beer? You can't come in here. No, because I didn't know the rule. And I couldn't have followed the rule. My car broke down. I don't have, I'm not able to go to the store, right? And I know this is a weird example. I just can't think of a different one right off the top of my head. But can you imagine a God who says, well, you have to be baptized before you can enter here. And then you have a human where there was no possibility of baptism. Can you imagine God that's going, ah, tough luck, kid. Right now, that's how humans think. I hope that helps you. Um, you were talking about a lot. Oh, no, it just disappeared. It went down. Oh, it went down. Put another Guys, Carrie's drunk. Pray for me. <laughs> you were talking about Allah last week, and it got me thinking. Terrorists, when they attack, yeah, it's for Allah. So they believe they're doing this for God. If they truly believe what they're doing is for God, is this a sin? Oh, certainly. Yeah, because Muslims will tell you God expressly forbids what they're doing. One of the troubles that Islam runs into is kind of a opposite of what Catholics run into. Catholicism is centralized. It is hierarchical. What does that mean? We have a pope. Well, how do you know what's Catholic? Well, the pope will tell you. This is Catholic. We have a consistent theology that we've taught for 2,000 years. Um, now, where does that work against us? Well, that tends to mean when you meet one Catholic, everyone thinks they've met every Catholic. Yeah? I get this all the time. Well, when I was in Catholic school, blah, 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 it's like, okay, A, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> B, if that happened the way you remember from being 10, uh, which again, highly unlikely. That was just one person, they were wrong. You feel me? Uh, when you get to Islam, there's no centralized hierarchy. There's no real authority structure. You can have two emirs. You can have 10 emirs running around. You can have 50 caliphs. You can have one. Uh, it's all, it's like the experience of Protestantism in the U.S. Um, I've met Protestants who won't pray with me because I'm not Christian. Heck, someone just sent me a video yesterday of this guy doing this video about how the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon prophesied in the Bible. And I, I don't mean this mean, although it is. And I'm like, bro, you really need to learn to read. Right? You need to. Because what did he do? He took revelations written 2,000 years ago in a language he doesn't know, in a culture he's clearly never studied. And he interpreted it like a 20 first century American who already believed Catholics were going to hell. That's the danger of fundamentalism, if you ask me. And had he, if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know your history, you could hear him and go, wow, that makes sense. Because it made sense to him, because he doesn't know his Bible and he doesn't know his history. Um, Islam has the same problem. Um, they have people who present themselves as authority. Well, I can read the Quran. Yeah, but clearly you're not reading it right. 
because there's a billion of them that disagree with you. Right? Think about it. There's 1.5 billion Muslims. Can you look that up, Chuck? How many Muslims are there in the world? There's a crap ton of them. And when you talk about like terrorism and awful, you're talking about like 0.0005%. So I'm going to assume they have it wrong and that at some point they decided to do what everybody in a religion does. Take what they want to be true and pretend their faith endorses it. It says 1.8 billion. 1.8 billion. Think about that. I think I told you this. When I was in Israel, there were little hand-painted signs all over in Arabic that said, we are winning the war of the womb. Meaning what? We're having kids. You Americans aren't. You Westerners aren't having kids. We are. You can win all these wars. We're going to win the whole thing because we're having kids. It's true. They will pick poverty and life, and we won't. <laughs> Right. We talk about kids like golf clubs, you know. Can I afford this one? Uh, bro. Okay. <clears throat> Did that help? Yes. You just got to remember, there's no centralized structure in Islam. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know what I do want to point out? Yes. The hot dog thing. Oh, at the end. Wait till the end? Okay. I am in Michigan. Now on vacation. Woohoo! I live in Arizona. Wow. That's got to be hot. Well, that's why they're in Michigan now, probably. Oh, is it really hot there now? I don't know what their seasons are. Like, okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so I can listen on time. Thank you, Father Joe. You are the best. I had three hot dogs already. Okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. Right? A, three hot dogs already. B, they listen to the show and love me. Thank you. Um, every time I think of Arizona, I think of Dale Earnhardt. Did I tell you this story? No. I was in Arizona at a conference, and I can't remember the year. Chuck, you'll be able to look it up. Whatever year Dale Earnhardt died. Not Junior, but Earnhardt, right? So Dad and I are in the airport in Arizona. Or no, I was in the airport. Dad was home. And then it was on the news. Dale Earnhardt was killed. And I just started bawling. Right, love that guy. You were a NASCAR fan? Yeah, well, I worked there for a oh, long time. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. yeah, and back then I followed it very closely. Okay, um, what 2001. Year? 2001. And I called Dad, and I assumed he knew. And he hung up the phone when I told him. And then Mom called, what's going on? I'm like, Ma, Dale, Jr. Dale died. I was like, oh, I was in Arizona, I remember that. Man, miss that dude. Um, Kevin Harvick won that race. And what he did is really crazy. So Dale was number three. I don't know if you remember this. When Harvick crossed the finish line, he stuck three fingers out his window, and I fell apart. I was, I was oh my gosh. And then Dale Jr. took time off, of course, to mourn his father and uh, won his next race back. Yeah, cool stuff. Oh. It's only 92 in Phoenix today. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I hate heat. I do. I'm so torn because I genuinely hate being hot. I would rather be like winter coat inside than hot. But a week from this Saturday, it's going to be 106. See, I would die. <laughs> I would die. And I know, I bet there's no humidity, which definitely makes it easier. Truly. I think it's better to say, I hate humidity. Right, and I do okay in dry heat. But at the same time, like this morning I woke up 
and it was dark. And I thought, oh no, because every year it gets harder for me. These months where we don't see the sun. Okay, well. Truly, like I dread them. Like I know come January, February, I'm gonna get very dark inside. Like it's, oh, and it's harder every year. It is, but what I found when I travel south in the winter, yeah. there's still shortened days. Yeah. So it still isn't. Yeah. Well, I know the last five we years. Just summer all the time. We do. I well, but we don't, right? Because I do love snow. I love fall. I could, if we could find a place where it's just fall all the time. We fat people would be so happy. We would, and it'd be like, I don't have to put a winter coat on, and I don't have to walk around half naked uh, to be comfortable. Uh, fall is the greatest. But it is really funny. Like this morning, I actually felt dread. As much as like I hated August because it was so hot, I was like, oh no, it's coming. And I do, I get as much time, I, every year now for five years, I've gone down to Florida for a week just to try to get sun on me. Uh, but I don't know why we're talking about this. Anyway, so thank you, Arizona person. I assume you guys get sun all the time, right? Do they have dark season? Like, oh, the true story, my first year down in Florida five years ago, we went out in the ocean and swam. And there were a bunch of Floridians, and I'm telling the truth, I swear, in coats and hats. Oh, yeah. It was like 68, I'm like what is wrong with the, and we're sweating and we ran into the ocean and they just couldn't believe it. I was like, it was February. I said, we haven't seen the sun in three months. We just haven't even seen it. Yeah. We know it's there. Yeah. Uh, Cause sometimes the snow melts, uh, but yeah, that's hard to explain to people. And then I got a cousin in Anchorage, they'll go months, right? Uh, what is it? They go, I think it's, 30 some days with no sun. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know how they do that. So uh, I do want to say this a huge thanks to the greatest restaurant in the history of the world. And of course, I'm talking about the hot dog stand. Because uh, Rhonda treated us to lunch. She made me eat Polish dogs. She's so mean. Uh, she made a cake for Carrie's birthday. It's a German chocolate cake. And it's made with, are you ready? Bananas and bourbon. So what does it mean that it's Carrie's birthday tomorrow? <laughs> now, Carrie uh, may be promised to not mention that it's her birthday tomorrow. So I'm not bringing it up. Don't, Have you heard me mention that it's, I've made no announcement about it being Carrie's birthday tomorrow because Carrie asked me not to mention that it's her birthday tomorrow. So I'm not saying a word about it being her birthday tomorrow. Um, and that's all I have to say on this topic. Carrie's birthday is tomorrow. Um, so should you, like, let's just do a, what do you call it? Um, theoretical. Let's do with hypothetical. Let's say hypothetically, there's someone that I fall on my knees and thank Jesus for every day. Uh, and why? I got 10 reasons for you. One, she always tells me the truth. Um, two, more than anyone I've ever worked with, she lets me be a priest. And to that end, takes abuse sometimes from people. Well, I want a counselor. Well, Father Joe's not a counselor. Um, she endures a lot just to help me be a priest. And I'm so, so grateful. Uh, all of this is happening because of her. 
um, I'd been a priest and interested in doing this for years, but I didn't know Carrie yet. And uh, so let's say hypothetically that was the situation, then that's what I would say. Yeah, but otherwise I promise Carrie I wouldn't make a big deal that it's her birthday tomorrow. I'm getting glared at right now. So, happy birthday to Carrie. And we're gonna wrap up today's show, Carrie's birthday's tomorrow, and what we'll do after Carrie's birthday, Wednesday, uh, we will begin, keep going on Abraham, yep. maybe hit a little Isaac, little Jacob, a little bit Carrie's birthday on Saturday. Courtney will be with us next week. Huh? Courtney Will will be with us next week. Courtney will be with us. Oh, next Court's week. Oh my gosh, they're going to meet Court. Okay, we have a prisoner here. I love this chick. I do. And Carrie finally met her, I think, and was, or no, you knew her? No, I. You no, just I didn't just, know how cool she is. Yeah. Yeah, she, seriously. And I don't know much about her at all. So we're going to learn about her. I just know she's funny and she's faithful. Yeah. I do. I, I like I this like guy. I like some of her tweets, honestly. Yeah, I, that's how I met her. Yeah. I didn't even know she was in our parish. Right. So, yay, court. Okay, so we get to meet her next Thursday after we meet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob after Carrie's birthday on Saturday. Uh, she takes cash and um, what? No, I'm just kidding. She takes credit cards. Stop. What? That, Checks? That, that. Money Keep orders? Up. That line? Yeah. Oh, I feel terrible about it. You just went over it. Not even a little. So uh, with that in mind, I guess we're ending early today. We're going to eat cake. Do you know Do about... You... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, folks. I've wasted so much of your time today. Okay, I'll behave. Uh, salad, pray. And then I'll see you beautiful people either wait, wait, this... Wait, wait. You, do have, you do have to mention one more thing. One more time, a plug for oh, yes. the Women's Weekend. Who got me the box of honeycombs? Do we know? Unknown. It's unknown. It's okay, unknown. I've got to tell you guys, this was in my mailbox today. Whoever you are, you could like kill a puppy and you're still going to heaven. You have accrued enough Jesus points. Was I not supposed to say that? You could glare at a puppy. There you go. Don't kill a puppy unless it gets me honeycombs. And uh, so thank you for my, not Chuck, not Carrie whose birthday's tomorrow, not dad, honeycomb. And Thomas is having heart bypass surgery on Tuesday, so we're going to pray for Oh, him. Thomas, we love you. We'll be praying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, before we get into the prayer then, for any of the ladies who are interested, men, if you're interested, I don't care. You can't come. I'm the only man who can be there. That's right. Yeah. You have to vow celibacy to be at this thing if you're a man. You have to vow it, not have it, you know, not be, you know, a celibate. I don't care about that. You got to promise. On September 17th, over at our St. Joseph's Hall, from 9 to 11, we're going to have a time of faith fellowship. It says faith fellowship food and Father Joe. See? And I'm there for the moneymaker, I assume. And what this is going to be is just uh, an invitation for the women in our parishes, in our parish, to, to have some community together and see what kind of ways we can all grow in faith, hope, and love. So I'm really excited. Ladies, I cannot encourage you enough. And gentlemen, if you're listening to this, please consider sacrificing whatever you need to to give your wife that window of time 
so that she can go unfettered. Uh, a holy wife is a, is a better wife. A holy husband is a better husband. And those things aren't possible without growing in faith, hope, and love through the gift of community. So please consider coming September 17th, Year of Our Lord 2022, from 9 to 11. <laughs> Honeycomb sold separately. Uh, so with that, uh, salad pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, today we come to you in a special way, asking for your prayers for those who mourn, asking for your healing for those who mourn, those who are suffering loss, those who have suffered loss, those who are in grief or sorrow. Jesus, please heal their broken hearts and give them strength. We ask for you to bless our brother who's having heart with uh, a heart procedure, heart, heart bypass next week. Heavenly Father, go ahead of him into the operating theater. Prepare the place. Prepare the doctors and nurses' hearts and minds and help his family to be at peace. Help the procedure to go smoothly. Yes, Lord. And Lord, today in a special way, we ask you to bless Carrie and her family. Lord, we ask you to reward her for the innumerable sacrifices she makes so that people might know you. And Father, you know all the people we love, and they, they, they're just parked in our heart because we worry about them, and you know all the situations that we fret about. We give all of them to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Kung Fu is strong. I will see you people next week after Carrie's birthday. Until then, peace. Carrie's birthday. Is it over? No, it's never.